I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming on! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, and Hello everybody and welcome to 42 Rugby Weekly on Friday. Gavin Casey here and I'm delighted to be joined for the first time in a long time by Murray Kinsler of the 42. Murray, how's life? Yeah, all good Gav. It's been a, a kind of whirlwind month in our house. A baby boy arrived end of last month and yeah, it's just flown by. He's flying. He's a greedy young lad. Big long legs unsurprisingly. So maybe a back row if he plays rugby although a few doctors warned me off that <laughs> um and Jen's flying as well as uh, so yeah it's been nice getting back into a bit of work as well and catching up with everything that's been going on you you boys have been holding forth the pod got the pods got me through a few kind of long nights catching up with what you were talking about when trying to get the baby to stay asleep ah we've missed you I have to say but um what's the sleep situation like are you getting sort of six seven hours or is it broken up what's the story there yeah, it's kind of broken up. Anyone who's listening will be like um, getting flashbacks if their kids are grown up now. But yeah, he doesn't sleep too long. Jen's brilliant, obviously, in, in the night. she Now that I'm back to work, she's like, go on, get some kip. So I do the first shift, then she takes over. And then I do a bit of time in the morning as well. So yeah, he's full of beans, full of energy. And he's getting alert now and stuff. So it's class. It's amazing. Like it's people describe it as the best thing ever. And it really is that. So He's loving the kind of late night rugby watching sessions as well. I show stuff on the TV the odd time when he's kind of dropping off and he seems to be enjoying that. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you that because usually when you're away, say if you were on like a more conventional holiday rather than taking uh, leave, uh, like uh, you do take in a bit of rugby. I was wondering, have you had a chance to say watch some of the finals over the last couple of days and have you actually been following it or has it just been kind of chaotic to the point that you've block that out of your life for what kind of catching up on everything I actually missed the Leinster La Rochelle game live because um, that was literally right in the aftermath of him arriving and there was people in the house and then I actually had to get the dog out the dog was going mad walking him and bumped into some of my neighbours who know that I ride about rugby or whatever and they were like what are you doing the match is, is on at the moment uh, so that was that. that's kind of the, the story now was catching up on games but uh, back into the swing of it now going to do the 20s match off Watch that on YouTube now in a, in a couple of hours as well. So looking forward to it. And yeah, the rugby over next month is going to be outstanding. I won't be in New Zealand, but I can't wait to hear how Gary gets on, all his updates, um, and he'll do a brilliant job. So it'll be brilliant to follow him. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting to see what Gary comes back with, um, or what he sends back rather. Uh, such a brilliant writer. And uh, you'd imagine a tour to New Zealand, the colour and the stories and the anecdotes will be off the charts. Um, I mean, we were saying before we came on that it feels like the tour to an extent has almost crept up on us like for ages in the back of my mind it's been almost like an abstract concept that oh yeah Ireland are going to New Zealand for the summer but they're playing the All Blacks in about a week's time and they have a game also before that as well we've got that event coming up on uh, Wednesday the 29th of June which we might chat about in a few minutes just in terms of like I'm actually just looking forward to doing that in front of people and, and meeting people again for the first time in a couple of years but I don't know, have you had time to get your head around this uh, summer tour? And like, how do you think Ireland are actually fixed? What's um, What would be a successful summer to your mind uh, for Ireland going down there? Is it about winning a test or do you, do you think it's conceivable that they could win a series? Yeah, I think it's more conceivable than ever, really. It's funny, you mentioned the live show there. I was looking back on some of the stuff we did over recent years. Or it's been a while since we've done one now, so it's 
really exciting to get back doing that. But I was looking at that 2018 show, didn't we do it, Rog? And I remember the the email I got from that guy called Keith, uh, just kind of slamming Irish rugby, calling me a dickhead, telling me to stick to the Gaelic football reporting because I'd kind of talked up Ireland's chances of winning that game after they'd already beaten the All Blacks in Chicago. And it's funny just to see, because in 2016, we did a big series about like what makes... New Zealand rugby so amazing and so powerful and so strong why Ireland haven't beaten them and we did a trip over to New Zealand it was amazing to see all the brilliant things they do but Ireland obviously beat them for the first time that year and now they go on tour with genuine credentials to to suggest they can can win a test that's not to underestimate the difficulty of the challenge it's very different playing down there the All Blacks are wounded like there's guys in this All Black squad and, and the coaching staff who are fighting for their careers at this level absolutely like if this goes badly for them they're gone for the world cup and they won't be back the the home fans will be unforgiving but the home fans are a massive strength for them as as well it's going to be a different level of, of playing the all backs for guys who haven't played them down there i think johnny sexton w- will tell them that um so it is fascinating uh, the, the challenge in that regard the fact that so many of ireland's excellent performance under andy farrell have been at home in dublin with those comforts he's acknowledged that he's been really good and honest, I think, in, in everything he said about this tour. But yeah, I think they are good enough to win a test at least. And what would be a good tour? I think winning a test, one test, and having two good performances in the Maori games or even just a crop of really good individual performances in those games, yeah, it would be lovely to win them and the results would be important. And they would give a bit of momentum to the the test team as well, I think, you know, if they start with a win on, on Wednesday. But for me, it's just about getting you know, four or five players from those those two teams that, that are going to go to the World Cup next year as well. So, listen, they'll obviously be targeting a series win, but I think it would be success winning one of them and definitely being really competitive in the other two at le- at the very least. Um, you think of that 16-0 last time that, that Ireland played All-Backs in, in New Zealand and, and, and that can't happen, that won't happen. Um, although they may be final words, you might be chopping that clip right now at some stage. <laughs> That's an interesting one in the sense that so New Zealand are actually under pressure and I think that's pretty um, conspicuous or like apparent to anybody who follows rugby at this point that say Ian Foster and a lot of the players as you outlined there are playing for their all black futures to, to a degree like if it goes well for them they're flying it but if Ireland win a series for example which I still think is unlikely but not inconceivable totally they're going to be on the chopping block and I think that is almost reflected in how uh, Kiwi people are sort of talking about this tour, perceiving this tour in the sense that for the first time in ages, and it has been ages since, we, since Ireland were down there anyway, but there feels like a real degree of trepidation about uh, from their side in terms of how they're going into the tour. It's like, ooh, you know, how do you think your boys are fixed? Like, And even those uh, that company that popped up those billboards where they're, sort of mocking Ireland and it sort of feels like they're taking us seriously as an entity as an opponent which is a first at least for a tour down there if you know what I mean like obviously the last few years Ireland have won three of the last five tests but for the first time ever it sort of feels as though they feel the threat and uh, I wonder do you have the same impression or is this just something that I've sort of taken and run with over the last couple of months speaking to the odd Kiwi but it just feels as though they're actually a little bit more nervy about this than we are even if they're still favourites to actually win yeah, series definitely and that's definitely the case like Ireland have them rattled <laughs> but that was I mean thinking back to that email from that Kiwi lad in, in 2018 and um, 
his anger at the audacity of me suggesting that the All Blacks have some respect and Ireland could be on a level pegging with them. It was already happening then, wasn't it? Like as soon as Chicago happened, and indeed when 2013 really, the near miss happened, things started to shift and and Ireland started to close what was a massive gap before that. And like the days of say, Kiwi players not really knowing who is in the Ireland team and, and who some of the players are, they're long gone. Obviously, the, the spread of knowledge around the whole game helps that and everyone's watching everything now, but there's just a respect there. There's a rivalry there. It's class. Ireland are rivals of the All Blacks. And in so many ways, and, and it's easy to kind of forget where Irish rugby came from, in so many ways, we kind of take things for granted now. This has just never been the case really until this modern era. And it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, long made the rivalry last. I think this series is going to be enthralling for, for that matter. And I suppose just on the pressure thing, like the All Blacks, in fairness, they're always under unbelievable pressure and scrutiny. Rugby is as important as anything in that country. Like, it's crazy when you go down there. Anyone who's been will will know that for a fact. And there's constant pressure questioning people. And there's always someone ready to take your place as well. Even when things are going well, you think of... Even the left wing position in that team, you could have a guy who comes in, scores 25 tries in his first 26 games, but then there's a new hot, hot kid on the block and, and he's in next and and you're jettisoned or your your position has changed. So it is a constant cycle of intense pressure, but it'll be fascinating to see how they handle that now, given the fact that Ireland actually have some decent weapons, albeit a bit of poor kind of form at the end of the season with the, the provinces. They have some decent weapons and they themselves as a squad, Ireland, have good form. And that's worth remembering. Like this is different to the provinces. I know the players are exactly the same and there's lots of overlaps, but the Ireland camp is one that's been humming. Yeah, it is. It's been interesting as well to catch up with, say, Tammy Ellison, the Crusaders assistant coach. We had him on a members pod on Wednesday and just the sincerity with which he was kind of backing Ireland a little bit for this series and pointing towards that form as well, that sort of sense of continuity that they will have that he feels the All Blacks may not have. His Crusaders players only joined up the All Blacks squad, I think, on Tuesday possibly. And as we're saying, the test is swinging around very quickly. So hope I think if Ireland are going to do them, it'll probably be in a first test. Like, I think you have to win the first test. If you have, if you have aspirations to win a test or a series, you've got to get that one over the line firstly. Uh, we're going to chat about the first Maori game, though, and you're going to pick a team, basically, or the team that you would like to see play against the Maori, because that's coming up even more quickly than this first test. Um, do you want to just kick off with that? Like, would we start with the forwards and, and work that Yeah, out? because as you say, it kind of has crept up and um, like they're in the, they've probably picked the two teams. And, and that starting point really for it all is picking the first test team for Farrell. Like, it's three days out from what is one of the biggest games of lots of these guys' careers. As you say, maybe the best shot for Ireland, but it is still in front of a massive Eden Park crowd who now respect Ireland as well and we want to give them plenty of of heat. So I suppose, I actually think it makes more sense maybe to work back from there, going through the, the first test team and seeing that what that leaves you with. I think that the first test team will be very similar to what we saw in, in Six Nations and rightly so. Guys were playing well and there was a few positions that were being jostled for, um, but I think you'll probably see Porter, Sheehan, Furlong, Obviously, Keller are missing in, in the front row. Ryan and Henderson probably in the second row for me, given that Tyburn's been out for so long. I think he could do it, maybe a run out even against the Mary and will probably be on the bench for for the first half if he if he is back. And then the back row is probably one to, to struggle with again because there's there's competition there. I went for Omani, van der Fleer and Doris. I think Omani's been playing good rugby this season. 
obviously it didn't end great with Munster for any of them um, in the URC but I like what he brings I like that there's a bit of history the last time he was down touring in New Zealand I know it was at the Lions but it didn't go great for him in the end that'll be maybe in the back of his mind and, and proving a point and just the fact that he gives you the weapons around line out etc all that we've discussed plenty before and Conan can play the impact role that Omani has done done really well Keenan Ring Rosaki Low Sexton Gibson Park in the back line and then I went for Hansen on the right wing because I love what he's done in an Ireland jersey I personally thoroughly enjoy what he brings I like the fact that he and Lowe can both be the playmaking wing as well as the finishing wing and, and the, the touchline hugging wing um, and maybe it's um, you know he, he'd probably prefer to play fullback really at this stage or you could use him on the, the left wing obviously as well but I think he can slot in there okay that that particular position could go any any which way though to to be honest so kind of working back from there is what i did for for the mary game i don't know what what why you make of that test team gav is there anything jumping out at you around who's going to play in that one because obviously that's the, the one that really matters no but i love the fact that you have hansen you in your head as starting because i was actually watching um the november test yesterday just sort of flicking through it but with new zealand commentary just to sort of see how they felt about it during it and one of the things that even the commentary team really um, identified as new, uh, a, a component of the game that New Zealand were struggling with was Ireland's sort of tight passing but also like those sort of um, I don't know if you could even call them offloads but basically just getting a, a really tight pass off just before the tackle like and it was constant and it was basically keeping like it was stressing the integrity of New Zealand's defence constantly but it also made it feel as though Ireland had a spare man every time they had the ball. It was crazy. And like why I think Hansen obviously fits into that is like he has that sort of ability to free up a man or to identify a support runner or whatever. Like he just has the skill set basically to bring other people into the game the same way that James Lowe does. And I think if you have that on either side of the pitch and if you're trying to get the ball out to the 15s and to stress New Zealand that way, which I think Ireland will try to, to have two guys who can do that on either side is incredibly valuable and I think actually a bit of a terrifying prospect for New Zealand if these aren't famous last words in the sense that you don't have to just identify the left wing as a guy who you need to keep your eyes on because he's going to get involved in play like James Lowe will come into midfield as we know and he just he involves himself in the game but if you have two guys who can do that on either side it's uh it's a really tantalising prospect from an Irish point of view. So I've no qualms with the team, but I actually would love to see Lowe and Hansen in the same Ireland team. Yeah, they're two instinctive players, aren't they? They're 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 not tidy as as far as he, he keeps saying it in lots of different ways about lots of different players. He wants that instinctiveness and fluidity and unpredictability, and and that's when Ireland have been at their best when the Kiwis are. Japanese or whoever it is in the Six Nations has been struggling to to get a read on things because they're they're changing, albeit with a bit of structure, but with players having the autonomy to slightly change things within that structure. So I think it'll be exciting. At the same time, you couldn't argue with Earl starting and bringing his experience with Larmer, maybe even coming straight back in and, and bring his form and energy and clear incredible fitness and physical sharpness and determination so there's there's choices there the senders obviously as always are like it's kind of take your pick Henshaw and Ringrose proven partnership I'd love Aki's tenacity and confrontational 
element for that first test and obviously it would mean so much to him to be there in front of family uh, in the country where you know that is that is home and uh, and playing in such a, a big occasion i think that is a factor that's worth considering as well james hume i think is genuinely in the mix there for for a test start i personally have him maybe come in in the second test i, I think it'll be really valuable to give him a, a test start because he is a difference maker and you know in games of fine margins guys like that are are decisive and and i think you know ireland have got a brilliant 13 in gary ringrose but you can't overlook someone like hume who's making big plays on both sides of the ball all the time and doing everything really solidly as as well so there's a couple of good selection headaches there for for farrell um and obviously the makeup of the bench is is really important as well and that's kind of what you're factoring with the mary game i like I almost have the benches overlapping in a way in, in my mind because you don't want to, you want to risk anyone. You don't want, you know, Johnny Sexton to go down after five minutes of the first test and then Harry Byrne potentially has to come on and play the whole game if Joey Carby started the Mary game and, and picked up an injury. That, that's the kind of <laughs> negative scenario maybe that I'm um, thinking about and, and, and working from that point. So I think that would be... Uh, it will be an exciting Ireland t- test team, even though we'll probably have a familiar look to it. It'll be familiar because, you know, they've got momentum and they've been playing in a really positive fashion with a lot of confidence. So talk us through how you think they should line out for this first memory game then, because obviously it's going to be a lot of fringe players getting an opportunity to put their hands up, probably more so for the second test. But who would you most like to see actually get those opportunities to put their names into the hat really with the test squad as we know it mm. so the pack I went for was Lockman, Heffernan, Bielham in the front row with Herring, Healy and O'Toole on the bench and I'd have in my mind Herring, Healy and O'Toole on the bench for the first test as well um, possibly the tight head is, is the the bigger call there but I think O'Toole has closed the gap to Bielham who in my mind is the second choice at tight head at the moment and as probably been slightly underrated he's been solid for Ireland when he's come on it you know he's probably a guy who's playing right to the limit of his ability and my sense is that O'Toole's ceiling is maybe higher than that and, and I think you've got to go with that at some stage and and be brave and give him that opportunity so um that's why I'd beat him starting in, in the Mary game Jeremy Lockman like start him against the Mary find out I thought Farrell was really honest in what he said about him almost and I'm paraphrasing heavily here saying I don't know if he's good enough. Let's find out. Let's get him out there. He said some guys, and this wasn't directly in relation to Lockman, are going to rule themselves out of future involvement on this tour, which was a really eye-opening comment, I suppose, for players to see that. Um, and it was really stark. And, and that was a good thing, I think, to to say. In the second round, I went for Tyke Byrne to get a start, maybe play 45 minutes-ish, and then bench for the first test. And had Joe McCarty alongside him. I think he is a player of really immense potential he's getting better each time still making little bits of you know there's there's a looseness there potentially but he is a real prospect I think and and it'd be brilliant to see him starting with uh, Treadwell to come off the bench then the back row went for was Prendergast, Timoney and Coombs like you're involving everyone on tour here with Baird, Baird, Ryan Baird on the bench covering those three guys but like they've definitely earned opportunities there's there's no sense of, of them 
being held back now. Prendergast has been consistently outstanding. Coombs came back really well from injury, I thought, um, and earned uh, a chance in a in a green jersey, albeit he won't want it to be in the, the Mary game. He'll want tests, but that would be a pretty punchy, exciting pack, I think. And given what the Mary squad has there, I think that Irish pack could really hold their own or even more, Gav. Yeah, it definitely could. And I like the fact that as you outlined there about Lockman, uh, and it's not to sort of um, single him out, but I'd say even Monster fans would actually argue that he probably doesn't have an international future, or he hasn't shown enough at Monster that would suggest that he could be a real stalwart as part of an Ireland squad for years to come. But what I like about him and his game that sort of suits what what Andy Farrell and probably more pertinently Mike Cat is trying to do with Ireland is that he actually just has soft hands. Like he is a little bit of a a footballer, if you know what I mean, rather than just a front row. He, um, not exactly like Mac Hansen, but in a similar sense, he actually involves guys. Like he kind of tends to have an eye on the back of his head as to who's running off a shoulder. He kind of knows where to pop the pass, or at least he'll take the risk of, of popping an offload. And I think that's actually paramount to Ireland's chances of success down here. Um, in the sense that like I think New Zealand looking at their squad selection are going to bring more power like they're actually going to bring I think they're going to try and mow us down a little bit and not just beat us with that sort of tempo and speed and skill set that we associate with all black rugby but actually with units as well Um, and I think Ireland's best chance is to do what they do do what they did in November but almost an exaggerated version of it like let's have a little bit of fun with this and like let's just play ball it's weird how the dynamic has even shifted over the last couple of years where we're talking about Ireland trying to win a series down there by playing better rugby, but or at least say more aesthetically pleasing rugby. But I think that's a reality and I think that's where Lachman could conceivably fit in and we'll see against the Maori All Blacks if if he has the minerals, I suppose, to uh, to hang tough with some of those guys. Just on um, on style of play, I was chatting to Kieran there yesterday and he, he, he reminded me again that it's, winter in New Zealand and it does tend to piss rain an awful lot and and even you saw as he said in the Super Rugby final um, it can kind of change games although the the Crusaders did a really good job of playing excellent rugby in those conditions nice balanced air play so it could be really brutal next weekend at, at Eden Park um, the back line kind of picked itself for me really Casey and Byrne in the halfbacks Frawley and Hume in midfield and then in the back three I went for Lowry 15 with Larmer and Earls as captain on the wing. Then you have Murray, Carberry and Jimmy O'Brien covering from the bench. And I think the nine is really interesting. Like Casey is is on a, he kind of had a little bit of a, he had a peak and then he had not a quite a trough, but a leveling off. And now he's going again. And I thought he was putting massive pressure on Conor Murray in the, in the end of the season with Munster. And I think he'll put increasing pressure on him here. I think Conor Murray has actually performed really well off the bench for Ireland in general behind Gibson Park but Casey gives you like we see it with Munster all the time he gives you that lift a, a very different impact off a bench and I almost wouldn't be surprised to see that in, in one of the tests I think it would be really intoxicating element for Ireland to have to to just shift things a little bit late on um, but I think him and Casey or sorry him and Byrne obviously have a, a familiarity with each other from 20s and it'll be a really nice pairing for this game Frawley and Hume would have a lovely balance to it in midfield as well. I think that would be an unbelievably exciting backline. Um, and Earls, yeah, I mean, as I said, he could start the first test absolutely, and he has been playing good rugby. I thought he was probably the best monster player in that desperately, desperately poor 
um, Ulster game where I thought a lot of senior players did not turn up. Um, I thought Earls was the one, one real exception to that. Um, so yeah, he's in the mix for first test, but I think it would be sensible to have one or two kind of steadier heads in that Mary team as well because it'll be wild and frenetic at times. The, the Mary will want to play ball. They've got guys out to massively proof points. I think at Perinara, he's going to be trying to play the game of his life and it wouldn't surprise me if he does. Uh, it'll mean so much to him and he's he, he wants to be back in that All Blacks mix. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That That's kind of where I settle with that that Mary team. And like looking at it, it's, it's class. This is the, the... Obviously, the three tests are amazing. It's going to be blockbuster. But the fact that there's two tour games makes it just way cooler, way better, way more beneficial. 100%. You've mentioned Earls a couple of times and my... I suppose the, the fan in me um, and probably the Monster fan and maybe Keith Earls fan wants him to play a test or or maybe even all three tests just because one of the defining memories I have of that 2012 tour is him getting absolutely bulldozed by Hosea Gear, I think it was or maybe it was even Rico Gear. but uh, basically down the left flank Earls was defending the right and he just got like mowed down for a try and at that time in fairness there was almost well actually yeah, it's three years after he was on the Lions tour. There was probably a little bit of a fragility to Earls in the sense that we, you know, he was not the biggest physically. We knew he was electrifying with the ball, etc. But like, it's fascinating to kind of observe his career now and his role in both the Monster team and an Ireland team. As you say, you would have named him like you would name him captain for this uh, Mary game. I'd love to see that because he seems to be a genuine leader, both at Monster and with Ireland. Not necessarily like some sort of uh, vocal back row who's sort of dragging guys with him, etc. But it's almost like the respect he commands, how good he is at his job, uh, the effort he puts in. Like Keith Earls, as you mentioned there, some of the more senior Monster players didn't turn up in that Ulster game. And I think a few of them went missing towards the end of the season. Keith Earls always turns up. Like he might not have a great game, but he is still turning up in the sense that like he doesn't shirk responsibility. He just puts 100% into it every time. And it's just, I suppose, a bit of um, almost like bookending it a little bit in the sense that it's 10 years on from the last time we were down there and we were so excited about Keith Earls at that point as a prospect. And now he's a really senior player, but he's still doing his thing. Like it's, I like it, you know, because rugby can be a short career, but he's um, he's made the most out of his, I think. And he has a, he has a hard edge now. It's such a contrast to what those memories that you you had out there like he has that Jurs Jur Earl's scowl on his face and um, obviously he's a brilliant supportive teammate but he's a standard setter and he's like he loves the confrontational side of it he always has in fairness um and yeah he's a, he's just a brilliant player and he's he's defying his um advancing years by by looking really well athletically and he's taking care of himself really well in the last couple of years so that is um that he's one of the guys where, yeah, it could be Mary's, it could be first test. I'm really interested to see who, like, bolters within a tour are. And that's the thing, like, every time the lines go, and obviously it's a longer period, but there is an element of it with this Ireland tour, someone who wasn't expected to feature starting a third test or something like that. I don't know who you think that guy could be. Gav, who's on? Who's in your mind in terms of that trajectory? I don't know, to be totally honest. I... I the thing is, it's conceivable in my head that it could be almost anybody from the team that you've named there for a Mary game. Like, I think Human is the obvious candidate, but he's probably a little bit more... I think he's probably... Andy Farrell would have him in mind as an actual test starter in one of the three. And, like, we know that coaches are probably looking at this series with planned teams in mind for 
at least the first two tests in the sense that like you would have your match day 23 in mind for the first test but you also have probably 60-70% of the team picked for the next one as well all going well with injury etc and form um, I think maybe one of the I suppose one of the more interesting aspects to it to me is out half and I suppose it, listen it's the quarterback position it's interesting to most people at most times but I wonder if Harry Byrne could actually play his way into a test squad because as Joey Carberry as much as Joey Carberry has been dependable for Ireland and he's really not really he's not really put a foot wrong in his cameos off the bench in Paris he was decent like he was functional basically and he did pretty well but if Harry Byrne lights it up, which I just haven't seen him do in a long time, um, through no fault of his own, I wonder, could he be, like, it, you know, it, it, are we having a conversation ahead of the second test maybe where it's like, well, actually, like, I'd have Harry Byrne in the 23 rather than Joey, etc. Like, it's, um, I don't know how you think that picture is kind of shaping up out half, but I, I always think with an out half, a guy is only really ever... 80 minutes away from playing himself into the picture if that makes sense like you just need to be outstanding once and then suddenly you are the guy or you're the backup guy if you know what I mean Harry Burns probably one of those other players who is almost you know he's very young but Farrell wants to find out about either way he's been in around the mix but as you say we're still kind of waiting to know for sure given his lack of opportunity due to injury runs etc and the stuff that's almost as interesting we won't get to find out really until after the tour is it bits are invisible to us now or even the people who are over there covering the tour we see the 80 minutes on Wednesday Saturdays and a Tuesday in this case but like around training around meetings who's pushing things when they're playing 15 on 15 and they're getting reps directly against each other who's doing well in those moments there's obviously not going to be a huge level of contact training at this stage of the season and given the 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 actual um, I suppose nature of playing games and, and midweek games and the fact that you may even have split sessions at times but those are really important as well and lots of the guys that you know you wonder about over the years oh, why is he not getting more of a chance with Ireland or what's the story there why is his face not fit often it's because they played like a bag of shit when they got a chance in training or they just didn't take their opportunity or they were a little bit too timid when, when they were in direct confrontation with another player in their position so that, that stuff's massive and that's why the tour is of such value it's like a really kind of intense World Cup-esque tour and, and it's something special so yeah just talking about it here makes me even more excited for next Wednesday when we're going to launch things with our, our live show I can't wait for it Gav it's going to be some crack that was seamless I was going there anyway rest assured but to chat about that event I was just thinking in my head is it the first time that yourself Bernard and Owen Tulin have been on together because obviously there's members pods during the week, but we have three of us, as in you, I, you, me, and Birch on Mondays. I've been on with Owen, but I'm not sure if Birch and Owen have been on together. Yeah. <laughs> no, we haven't. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, yeah, we've kind of kept them apart. Um, they'll be gas uh, bouncing off each other. But yeah, it's class to get the full um, team together. And we obviously haven't really seen each other much in person over the last couple of years. I haven't seen Owen since the 2019 World Cup in Japan. He was over at that. Uh, have you met him in person? No, I've never met Owen in person. It's <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. I've seen so much of his face and, and heard so much of his voice over the last couple of years. And like, <laughs> not, not to be too sort of um, gooey about it, but I'm like, 
yeah, we're, we're kind of buddies now, you know what I mean? Like, I talk to him and stuff, but I've just never met him. It's a strange uh, dynamic. We have Kevin McLaughlin as well, by the way, coming in uh, to tell a few stories from that 2012 tour he played in three tests. And I love a guest like McLaughlin, actually, in the sense that, well, you, you and I kind of know he's a good talker anyway, which puts us at ease for an event like this. But we just haven't heard a huge amount from him in the last few years. And they're often the most interesting players to actually listen to in terms of they can be quite observational. Like he hasn't put himself out there necessarily in a rugby context. He's doing very well in life. But um, I wonder what stories he has stored up, if you know what I mean, or that he's been sitting on for the last few years. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a sharp observer of even different things. I'd be interested to get his slant on the tour itself, the, maybe the changing relationship, because he was there in 2012. They lost the tests. They nearly won the second. They got hammered in the third. They got close in 2013. He was involved in that day as well. So he's kind of seen, seen the shifting of the sands. Lots of the guys who now are excelling, he would have seen them at the maybe early stages. Um, so he's got loads of different perspectives on it. He's a, yeah, a real astute kind of rugby mind as well. That'd be brilliant to have him there. And then we've got the live analysis as well. Like, the three nerds all <laughs> all in the same show so we've had to divide that up and make sure that everyone has their few minutes and um no, that'll be really interesting as well i can't wait just to like again looking back on that rod show i've kind of forgotten how much fun it is just to be there get people firing up questions have a few pints with people afterwards that <clears throat> maybe we've spoken to on email or on social media or whatever um it'll be brilliant it'll be just class and it's um yeah it's what ruby's all about i suppose yeah it is I'm just hoping that my friends behave themselves basically uh, I don't know do you remember from that Rod show there was a gentleman who I won't name on this pod but he asked oh, a question and it became incredibly long winded I got the sense that like, he actually knows a lot about rugby so he was trying to evince that knowledge within his question and started almost <laughs> theorising rather than asking Roger a question the crowd started booing and he's he, he like this guy has a roving mic at the back of Liberty Hall Theatre and he just starts like explicitly <laughs> expressing his uh, dissatisfaction with the crowd and that's that event was there is always that but that event was sponsored by Aldi yeah, I don't know if you remember and they wanted us to put out the full show that. on YouTube and like there was such a frantic kind of edit yeah. needed because he basically told the crowd to go fuck themselves <laughs> live on the show we're like yeah we can't really have that with Aldi logos in the background etc so yeah if you are coming on Wednesday yeah. uh, please well no I mean you can <laughs> you can cuss us out I suppose if you like because it's uh, a little bit different this time but no we are looking forward to seeing you it's um, eventbrite.ie by the way if you want tickets they're 20 or you get a free drink on arrival as Murray says we'll stick around as well afterwards for a chat and a couple of points if you fancy it uh, doors open at the Harcourt Hotel at 6pm and then the event will kick off at about half past 7 so plenty of time to get in and yeah I, I, I can't really echo Murray's sentiments enough just about looking forward to seeing people from the members WhatsApp group and from Twitter and emails and stuff that we haven't seen in a couple of years uh, it should be good fun like we're not exactly performers Murray but it's it's a nice uh, nice buzz isn't it <laughs> yeah I'll have to psych myself up work on the <laughs> self confidence and self belief but uh, now nah, Birch is usually good for a little pep talk isn't he he'll kind of lead well mm. Owen will have some um, astute experience as well so We'll, we'll do our best we'll do our best we will catch you next Monday if you're already a member of the 42 for a pod and then if you're coming to the event on Wednesday we'll see you in person as I say can't wait Murray thank you cheers Gav good to be back
it certainly is great to have you back. Thank you to everybody at home as well. It's members.the42.e if you want to become a member of The 42. And get all of the additional podcasts, not only rugby podcasts, but football, GAA, newsletters across a range of sports. It's all there at members.the42.e. You can check it out. Until Monday for members or until this time next week, probably, for non-members. Mind yourselves. Take care. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Roby Roby Weekly. Then the first pass. Oh, oh, oh.